Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. So I'm calling this the Double D episode because we're going to talk about diagnoses and divorce, which are both really tough things to go through. But I've got my friend Amy with me today, and I've known Amy since elementary school, so we go back like a, a good time. 30 years. Oh my gosh, you just <laughs> aged us. Thank you. I know. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yes, we're getting old. Um, but we've kind of like hit different little points in our life where we've connected over these two things. And um, so I want you to kind of share your story a little bit. So starting with um, your your daughter Peyton was diagnosed with, what is it called? It's uh, called tuberous sclerosis complex, which is um, a diagnosis that causes tumors to grow out in all of her body. So in every vital organ. And it's um, a maybe disease. So not every kid has it affected the same way. And she has tumors in her eyes in her kidneys, in her heart, in her brain, just pretty much all over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the double Ds. Yeah. So When did you notice something was off with her? It's so funny. Never, ever doubt your mother's intuition because you feel oh, like yeah. you kind of always have known that something was off. And For sure. Thank heavens I had a pediatrician who was in tune to that and listened to me when I was just at a well-child visit. And I said, you know, something's not right. You know, I'm going off of the... Uh, pre-labeled milestones and I said you know she's not really looking at anything he's like oh go get her eyes checked and so I did and we found out way ahead of the game most kids with that diagnosis start having seizures or infantile Mm -hmm. spasms and then you find out that way and we found out pretty early on when she was just two months old wow and rocked our world yeah because I don't know if you were as naive as me but when I had my kids especially my first I just thought 10 fingers 10 toes like we're good smooth sailing from here I was always a little bit concerned like during my pregnancy like it's everything developing all right but it was like once my first child was born and everything seemed to be okay it was like okay then Mm -hmm. then we're fine right did you feel that way um kind of yes and kind of no um I kind of had like this in the back of my mind kind of worry during my pregnancy but you know, as far as everything goes, it was a normal pregnancy, no indications. And I just kind of knew that there was something special about her. Yeah. And then we got that diagnosis and changed her life kind of a day. It was actually my birthday. When, when we, you found out it was your mm-hmm. birthday. So, but then um, I remember thinking specifically when we got the diagnosis, um, it wasn't the why me kind of a feeling. It yeah. was the oh no, Peyton got the wrong mom. Like she deserves someone so much stronger or better. And I thought, I'm not adequate for this. Like I I knew this amazing mom that lived in my neighborhood at the time. And I just looked up to her so much. I'm like, oh, she's so amazing. And I, and I was like, she got the wrong mom. I'm not her. And and nothing could be further from the truth. Well, I don't know. But then, um, you just kind of kick into mom mode and you go into, you call it the action plan. Like you go into researching everything and wanting to know everything you can do. And you want to just, you feel helpless 
you feel completely helpless, but the one thing you want to do is help. And there's really nothing you can do. You got to diagnose, you can't cure it. You can't change it. And it's your child. And you just feel like you just want, you want everything for your kid. Like you want their life to be better than your, Mm -hmm. yours was. And, and you just would do anything for them. So when you do get handed something like my oldest is is on the autism spectrum, and then you've got this, yeah, you start blaming even things like genetics, like, oh, did I genetically give this to them? And you you have like that, right. that kind of mom guilt mm-hmm. and all of that. And then you do like my pregnancy was by the book. I followed all the rules. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I followed all the rules and it I got, doesn't matter sometimes. And yes. And she is one of the most amazing kids. Like mm-hmm. that's, and you think about that too, like I would do anything to make her life easier. Yeah. A hundred percent. I would do anything to make her life easier, but I would not change the diagnosis because of the blessings that it's brought into my life and to my oldest daughters. Like it teaches you compassion and awareness and you look at life a little bit differently. And you absolutely do. But when you very first get that diagnosis, you, you can't see the big picture. No. I remember you sharing something on social media that really impacted me. And it was um, like a little poem called Holland. Do you oh my gosh, that? I was thinking about that on my yeah. drive up here today. I was, yeah. And I actually re-listened to it because that's exactly what it's like. You feel like everyone's doing this great big trip and they're all going to Italy and mm-hmm. look how much fun they're having. And I yep. wanted to go too and... Here I am in Holland. In Holland, but it's still beautiful. And there, there are so many blessings. You know, one thing that I, and I feel selfish saying this because I don't think it's a blessing to my son, Boston, but from a mother's perspective, I don't take anything for granted. Yes, you know, same. if he's on the baseball team or I don't care if he's good, I could care less if he's good, but he's there and he's a part of it. Or if we get a knock on the door and it's a friend wanting to play, it's like the best thing in the world. And I know that if we didn't have autism in our lives, I would, I wouldn't even think of, I would, I just wouldn't, it would just be like, oh, that's just normal life. And I would totally take it for granted. And I'm so grateful that I don't, you know? Right. Exactly. Cause you have any victory is a huge victory, it's, basically. Yeah. So we get yep. that many more victories, and it's it's pretty remarkable. When you say that once you received that diagnosis, it kind of rocked your world, did you find that people, like, pulled away from you at all? Uh, that's kind of yes and no. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of people don't know, but I've always had and been very, very lucky to have such a great support system. Like, yeah. I feel like that's always been a constant like Like with your family and and rallying around her and you know we at the time I was so involved and wanted to know everything and I feel like I spent so much time wondering and worrying and researching everything and now I'm like oh my gosh I spent so much time on that I should have just enjoyed the moment absolutely and I'm I think I'm doing a better job at that and you know we're never going to be perfect at it and we're still going to maybe worry a little bit more yeah. than we should, but now I'm like, well, you know, things may come and with her diagnosis of TSC, anything could change at any moment. Yeah. And so, and along with she's on the autism spectrum and there's a lot of other things that go into it. And so like, well, you know, I worried about all these things. Like when she was little, is she going to walk? Is she going to talk? You know, now we don't know. Yeah. You um, don't know, but it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to worry. And I know at least, at least with my story, like I think all the time, if I knew what he looked like at 12 when he was two, I wouldn't have worried so much because we've been fortunate enough that, you know, although he struggles, he does really well. And so 
I just, I wish I would have seen the big picture and the blessings Mm -hmm. that do come along with it. Right. And then, you know, things are going to change too. Like it's going to always pose a new problem. The older they get, there's going to be new challenges. Absolutely. We're not exempt and anybody diagnosis or not is going to go through some kind of challenges in their life too. Yeah. Um, there is kind of like scaling back, but, um, you know, the, the reason that I brought up like people pulling away is I just, I noticed after Boston was diagnosed, a lot of people didn't know what to say or how to handle it. And I like that elephant in the room. Yes. It's like, I, you know, I, I lived in a community with, there were 40 kids on our street and we just all kind of bonded as moms and had kids the same age and we're doing the same things. And it went from like, Oh, we're all just playing out in the yards and, and setting up play dates and stuff to like, Oh, I've got to run to therapy several times a week and we're mm-hmm. trying to get them talking and it becomes a little bit isolating. Yeah. And I think at the same time too, we've also met people who we probably wouldn't have ever met hundred percent other way around. I have an amazing friend that has her son has the same disease and yeah. you know, we would may have never connected so otherwise. True. And so Yes, you kind of lose people, but you also gain a oh, whole community of other people. A hundred percent. Like my, my autism moms like are incredible and we've stayed in touch for like a decade and watched each other's kids grow and cheered each other on and, and you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like that's one of the blessings. I feel like we're pretty lucky too at this time where there are social media, it makes reaching out and connecting with other people, even clear across the yeah. country, so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the positives for sure. Um, so you've also been through a divorce. Yeah, should we talk like about me? the other D? The other D, <laughs> First divorce. First time double D has ever been referred. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing at that. But did you feel like, um, and I, I don't ever want to like put di- Boston's diagnoses on, like, like I never want to blame that for the failure of my marriage because it's not the case. But do you feel like having something like that rock your world and all, all of a sudden you're like shift your focus has shifted to your child and helping them and it just becomes we were talking earlier how it just becomes so consuming in your life. Do you feel like that had an impact on um, things at all? I'm sure it did. Probably wasn't like the ultimate cause yeah. of it. It's like one big piece to the, our puzzle. You know, yeah. it's part, one part of our story. But I did feel a little bit of resentment because I was so wrapped up in trying to take paint into therapy and yeah. do all these things and research. And um, my marriage struggled with infidelity. And I kind of felt um, a little bit like this is unfair. Like, I'm over here doing the best I can. And and it's not good enough for and you. You're not pulling your weight. And yeah. I'm, it's all on me. Um, but at the same time, and I left, I stayed in my marriage probably longer than I would have had Peyton not had that diagnosis because I was so afraid to rock the boat. And yeah. um, I felt like, well, I can just live status quo and, you know, we can be roommates and I can look past the things that are hurting me just because it's probably for, the for kids my kids. And, and, yeah, and it, totally. And this went on for years. And I have to say, uh, my ex-husband and I have a great relationship. We have the I didn't, I'd say we didn't have the perfect marriage, but we probably have the perfect divorce where we can co-parent well and we can remain friends. And um, so before I don't, don't want to talk bad about it, but this is an important part of our story and we've healed from it. And, and so it, we can talk about it now, but at the time it was very hurtful and I thought, sure. okay, I can just carry this weight on my shoulders and it's fine because it's best for my kids. Um, but then a couple of years down the road, you know, 
I kind of just kept things under the bubble and everything looked picture perfect from the outside looking in, but oh, things weren't so. I remember, honestly, this was back in the days of, uh, remember when everyone had like a blog spot? Yes. <laughs> you had like your family blog. Uh-huh. And I totally looked at your family. In fact, I remember you I'm guys guilty going, of posting the perfect we, story. Oh, we all are. Things were far from we that. All Very are. guilty of that. But I remember you guys going on. It was like a Disney cruise. And I thought, oh, their family is so perfect and so darling. And then uh, I got a Christmas card from you. And I, it, I could tell by the Christmas card that you'd gone through a divorce. And I just, I couldn't even believe it because... You know, on social media, yeah. it looked so and perfect. And that's funny because that Disney cruise was so much fun, but we were totally unraveling at that time. Yeah. Like, totally unraveling. And you just never know when you look right? at those pictures, it, you never know. And then know. it just happened. Like one day, I remember I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine and it occurred to me that my marital problems were affecting other people too because she had information about infidelity and she didn't know how to break it to me. And I was like... Ugh. And so then I could see the pain in her eyes and in her heart. I'm like, okay, this isn't just affecting me. This isn't just, and I was done. And just like that, it was very peaceful. I mean, it wasn't ugly. It was just, I was finally ready. It was my time. And, oh, I was scared. I was scared to death. And I didn't it's think terrifying. I could do it. Um, but I did it. You know, I didn't think, I used to be afraid of the dark. <laughs> and sleeping alone at night, and this was eight years ago, and I've been doing it for eight years. And you went back to school and you take care of yourself and you raise your girls. Right. It hasn't been easy, but it's been wonderful. I don't know. At the same time. You know, for me with my divorce, I remember also kind of like you said, it's like this light going off where it was like, you know what? This whole thing is not fixable, Mm -hmm. but we can like move forward and we can create something that works, even if it's like, like we were saying, we're both kind of functionally dysfunctional and that can actually become, I don't know, just a much, I don't know how to word it, but kind of like um, that becomes much more okay than living under the, the assumption that everything is what we're putting out on social media. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was a ghost in my house for years because I was so unhappy, but I would just put out there that like perfect family of four going to Disneyland and now it's like you know what my ex-husband lives down the street we pass kids back and forth and we're functionally dysfunctional but I think we're both sigh of relief we don't have that weight on our shoulders of being in an unhappy marriage and that's exactly what it is you hear about the weight on the shoulders all the time and it's so true I remember you know once I finally had the weight of my marriage off my shoulders I could focus on just being a better mom about being a better person for sure and I, I try not to be selfish about it, but I'm like, this has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Like, I wouldn't wish divorce upon anybody. No. But you can do it. It's not the end of the world either. And you. And I don't know about you, but I have grown more through that experience than probably anything in oh my, my whole goodness. life. Yes. And I remember at the time someone giving me a quote that says, I can do hard things. And then that quote yeah. kept reappearing for like that first yep. year. I can do hard things. And. I remember thinking, I hate doing hard things. I'm tired of doing hard things. I don't want to do hard things anymore. But then I look back and I'm like, wow, I did those things. And it was hard, but wow, look where it got me. And you really do grow from it. And it really shapes you into who you become, which I think is far better than where I was. Yeah. Like a completely different person, but... Yeah, even if it doesn't look picture perfect to society. Oh, we are far from perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you were one of the first people that, that really taught me that 
that being divorced could be okay. And how did you get to that place where it was like, you know, you're great co-parents, but you know, right. Shouldn't be married. I feel like it, it takes a lot of forgiveness on both Mm -hmm. parties and to overlook the pain and, and just get past it. And because that makes your life so much easier and it makes it easier for your kids. And that's ultimately what we wanted together as parents is what's going to make it best for our our kids. And, and he was always with you on that. Right. And so you just got to be the big, bigger person sometimes. And as long as you're both treating each other fair and he's a good parent and I'm a good mom, you know, we make it work. And so I'm very, very grateful for that in relationship. I know a lot of people in divorce situations who aren't as lucky to have that relationship. Yeah, because if you don't have someone working with you, like that's a completely right. different ballgame. And it's not always easy, but we make no. the best of it and it and it works out really great for us. Yeah, I know too. I, well, I remember asking my therapist one time because it's getting into that dating world is like super scary. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like when you've, at least I felt like going through a divorce, like I, I don't know how to work relationships. Like I'm not good at relationships. So it has always scared me going into another one that I'm going to fail again. But one thing that she said to me when I asked her, they say like the, um, if you get married again, the divorce rate goes up to like 70%. And I'm like, why is that? Like what is wrong with people? And she said, it's because people never, own up to their own faults and decide to grow and change. And I digested that. And even though like initially I was like, this is all his fault and he has all these issues. I kind of started looking at myself and what I brought to the table in our relationship and how maybe I was neglecting certain things or, or whatever. And it's really made me, I don't know, just, I feel like I'm going to be so different when I'm in a a marriage again someday, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to, I'm going to work at things and I'm going to own my garbage and yeah, because definitely I don't want to go through that divorce again, right? Next time I I ever get another shot at it, I'm not going to mess this one up and I don't want to have to go through that again. Yeah. But you know, you never know. It's not always going to go as planned. And that's kind of the theme to this is, you know, my ex-husband and I, we seemingly had a great relationship. There was that one factor you know that's one the one factor that you can't really live with but no you can't at the same time too like you always hear people say well if I was ever in that situation I would do this well you really don't know what you would do until you're in that situation no and you don't know like okay for example and not to bash my ex-husband but my my ex-husband is like a super nice guy and anybody looking from the outside looking in would be like how like how could you divorce him he's like the nicest guy on the planet but I think with any relationship you like you have no idea what's happening behind closed doors as cliche as that sounds like you have no idea and and everybody has their issues like everybody has true their we issues. all have our issues so it's like you know what there, there's a lot more to marriage than someone being a nice person mm-hmm. I was thinking about that too <clears throat> how we get so fixated on having the perfect life and yep. having everything be perfect yep. but no one is perfect. So how are we yeah, expecting what, all what these even great is expectations? That? I feel like my my thinking on that has shifted so much. Like when I first got married, it was like, I want to create the picture perfect life. Like I want a nice house and I want a nice car and I want my kids to be a certain way or whatever the white picket fence. Right. And now I'm like, who 
cares about like any of that garbage if you're not happy. Right. If you're going home to that nice house and you are like miserable, who cares? You know what I mean? It's not worth anything. I would rather be divorced and it looks really messy and be happy than that. Right. And are you happy now? Yeah. Well, I think you've learned to be happy too. Like, I don't know if you went through this, but I, I learned the grass is not always greener on the other side. And there's really hard stuff you have to go through when you decide to get divorced. But it helped me kind of like you were saying with the diagnoses, like you recognize the blessings, you know, and Mm -hmm. you don't take things for granted. And you appreciate the small things again. It's like the small things that on the weekends that you do have your kids, you try to be more present. Absolutely. Planning all these other things. You're like, no, this is my time. This is their time. And so you're living in the moment, which is always a great place to be. And you don't take for granted the little things. And then you do the big things and you can say, wow, I can't believe I did that. Or yeah, I feel like I'm a completely different person than the person I was eight years ago or 15 years ago. I mean, it's crazy how much you can evolve and change and grow. And it sounds so cliche to say that, but there's always a silver lining in anything that you go through. And, you know, whether it be a divorce, a diagnosis, or, you know, everybody's going to experience some kind of grief in their life or, you know, health issues, Mm -hmm. a loss of a spouse. I mean, everybody's going to face these kind of trials in life and it's just going to be, what are you going to make out of it? Yeah. You know, very seldom does life go according to its plan. It's not about plan A. It's more about what are you going to do with plan B or C or D? What's your attitude going to be towards it? Because like you said, there's no doubt, like everyone's going to hit those bumps in the road. And what do you do with it? Like, do you allow it to drag you down and you become a shell of yourself or do you allow it to make you the best version of yourself? And I feel like too, it, it kind of is an easy thing to get sucked into. Like when you're down, you just keep saying down. And I went through, I haven't even really talked about this, so (laughs) this is going to be new, but, um, about a year or so ago, I went through a really dark phase. I don't even know how I got myself in it. Like everything seemed great. Like I had just finished going back to school and completing my degree, which was insanely hard, but I did it. And then I had started a new career. Like everything was going really great in my life. I don't know what pulled me into this darkness. Yeah, because like, you'd achieved like all these goals you had set and everything. I, I was doing it and I yeah. was... And I'm still doing it, but I'm like, how did I get into this dark cloud over my head? And it was all upstairs in your head. Like, it's all mental. Like, you can just start to feel like, okay, I've got to get my head on straight. And so I started meditating about a year or so ago. And it changed my life. And so I I don't work out, but I do work out my mind every day. I meditate every single day. And that's mentally healthy. You have to find what works for you to get you out of that funk, you know? And for me, like, I'm total control freak so when the bumps in life happen I'm like ah the fire alarm's going off like I feel so out of control and you realize through going through some of these things what you can control and what and you are the only thing you control right yeah. isn't that the hardest thing to have yeah. is to be like I want to control everything but really the you can control how you react and what and there's so much power be. in that you know like if you take action whatever that looks like towards you know being happy again or solving the problem whatever it's it's huge and sometimes it's just got to be something that you're going to start small mm-hmm. like I remember going through a divorce and thinking I don't even know how I'm going to get through this day like I don't yes. know how we're going to do it but you just one step forward and then all of a sudden you can look back and look at the road you just traveled on mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then when you go through really tough stuff, you feel like I can tackle other tough stuff. Not that I want to, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you're going, but you know that you're capable of it. So what would you say to, you know, that new mom that gets that diagnosis that kind of rocks their world? Going back to that. I'm going to say you're so lucky, you know? Wow. Isn't that a thing? Like you're, I didn't feel lucky and I, I felt this pain for my kid and all the trials she's going to have to go through. And I wish I could have her strength. I couldn't do it. She does, but you're going to be so amazed by this child who's going to teach you so much in your life. And you you get to see Holland. You get to see this beautiful side of the world that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. And you're going to have a great community. I truly think it takes a village. And I feel like people are put into your life when you need them and you're going to have the resources and you're going to trust your motherly instinct. You're going to know what to do. There's going to be a lot of times you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) I think most of us have days like that where we have no idea. Kids don't come with a manual anyways. No, no matter what. Just be an advocate for your child. That's all you really can do. Um, Always be involved and things are going to, good things are going to come from it. I love that perspective. So tackling the other D, <laughs> what do you say to the woman that's, you know, contemplating divorce or they're just, you know, right at that point where, okay, let's take the dive. We're doing this. Right. Like I said, when I got divorced, I didn't know a single, single person. Like it was totally unknown. And now because yeah. of it, I've met these amazing women and guys too. There's amazing guys that have gone through it and you will get a new tribe. And I wouldn't wish divorce upon anybody, but it's also not the end of the world good things are going to come be be a bigger person you know be a better mom let that go and heal because there will be healing I remember I don't remember the pain of my divorce I remember I went through pain but time really really does heal I, I don't even remember what it felt like to go through that other than I remember yeah I remember how I went through that yeah but you really Well, and I almost feel like, at least for me, I feel like it was almost like a rebirth. Like it was this second chance to make so many things right, where it was like, I can look at my relationship with my ex-husband and be like, okay, no, we shouldn't be married. But it gave me a second opportunity. Like I was not the nicest person sometimes when we were married. And I'm like, I have this second chance to be a better person towards him. You know, even though our relationship looks completely different, I have an opportunity now to treat him the way that I probably always should have. And same with motherhood. It was like, okay, you're not in that fog anymore. You're not the ghost in your house. So I have an opportunity to be better. And it starts today. Right. But I was going to touch on that too, because it's really not an overnight switch where you're just like, okay, everything's better now. It (laughs) takes time. And then you're like, okay. And then you realize one day, oh, we're there, you know, yeah, yep. it's not an overnight switch. It's going to be a trial and it's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And the same with raising a kid with special needs, you know, yeah. there's going to be really great days and there's going to be really, really hard days. Mm-hmm. You have to put it in the work with both situations. Like it's a constant effort, but it's worth it. Right. And isn't that life in general? Yeah. Very, very <laughs> no matter true. what it is you're going through, we're going to have good days and there's going to be bad days. And then yeah. there's just always, there's always going to be something to be grateful for every single day. And I think that's what gets me through the most. So, so true. Well, I look up to you more than I could ever tell you. Like you've been such an inspiration to me 
in raising a child that has some special needs and in going through a divorce, like in some of my weakest moments, I would think of you and, and your strength and Aww. what you've done as a mom and just as a woman. And I think you're incredible. Well, and I feel the same way about you too. And <laughs> I feel like I'm just an ordinary person, you know, just totally average, nothing special. So no, you're, you're but extraordinary I, to me. So thank you, you too, so much for sharing your story. Thank you. In my chat with Amy, we mentioned a little poem called Welcome to Holland, and it was something I read after my son's autism diagnosis that just really helped me get through things, so I thought I would share that with you. Welcome to Holland. When you're going to have a baby, it's like you're planning a vacation to Italy. You're all excited, you get a whole bunch of guidebooks, you learn a few phrases so you can get around, and then it comes time to pack your bags and head for the airport. Only when you land, the stewardess says, Welcome to Holland. You look at one another in disbelief and shockingly say, Holland? What are you talking about? I signed up for Italy. But they explain there's been a change of plan and that you've landed in Holland and there you must stay. But I don't know anything about Holland, you say. I don't want to stay. But stay you do. You go out and buy some new guidebooks, you learn some new phrases, and you meet people you never knew existed. The important thing is that you're not in a bad place filled with despair. You're simply in a different place than you had planned. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy, but after you've been there a little while and you have a chance to catch your breath, you begin to discover that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland has Rembrandts. But everyone else you know is busy coming and going from Italy. They're all bragging about what a great time they had there, and for the rest of your life you'll say, yes, that's what I had planned. The pain of that will never go away. You have to accept that pain because the loss of that dream, the loss of that plan is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to go to Italy, you'll never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.